Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Transforming truth truth to power. One broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And thank you for being with us here tonight. October 5th it is, and I am Janice Graham. And tonight at Our Common Ground, it is October Saturday open mic night at Our Common Ground. And our number is 347-838-9852. And we'll be listening for you. However, we want you to know, if you are new to Our Common Ground, that open mic Saturday night is not the ranting and raving and we're all over the place. We try to feature specific kinds of discussion, and tonight we're talking about the intersection of violence and in black America and black oppression where and when they enter. Uh, As most of you know, we are supporters of Domestic Violence Awareness, and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And our themes, our discussion themes, will 
interlaced with the issues of violence in our community because domestic violence comes out of something. It is not an isolated kind of behavior. It is not without a victim, a perpetrator, and those victims and perpetrators are diverse and multidimensional, and we are going to be talking about it tonight. We're also going to be talking about the federal lockout and seizure of our government. I refuse to call it a shutdown because the federal government is not shut down. There are sections of the federal government that people choose, and you know who the people are. It is a Congress which has gone gangster. Many will say that it is a Congress which has gone insane. These people are not insane. They have a mission. And we are under siege as a result of their objectives and their mission, and we're going to talk about that that. Uh, tonight at Our Common Ground. So that is the structure from which we will move this evening, and we are so very pleased to have you. I'm going to check in the chat room. We've got Nat G and uh, the Our Common Ground Administrative Production Administrator, um, L. Michelle, and India Declare is with us tonight from the I Declare Show. What a great show it was this morning. India, you covered every base, and we are grateful for your Saturday 11 a.m. broadcast and hope you come back daily. Um, Update is that the House passed this morning a bill to give back pay to federal workers furloughed in the government shutdown. What that means is that this Federal Employee Retroactive Pay Fairness Act, it sailed through the Lord Chamber by a vote of 407 to 0 this morning. It was bipartisan, and it affects approximately 800,000 federal workers when they go back and the takeover lockout is over. They will be guaranteed pay retroactive for the time that they have lost, and um, we're also going to be talking a little about that tonight because there's a reason that that happened this morning. It happened for a very specific reason, and that is, and we'll talk more about it tonight at um, uh, 347-838-9852, it happened because on Tuesday morning, most states would have made every federal employee eligible to claim unemployment benefits. You see, these people have no no absolute purpose in serving anyone but them that brought them to the dance, and you didn't. So there is an element in this lockout, and I'll tell you why it's not a shutdown. There are, the airports are open, federal employees run the operations of every airport out of the FAA in this country. Amtrak is still running, 
and you see the Republic Republicrat gangsters went to the World War Two um, memorial on Thursday morning, and they brung down the gates. But there were federal employees, federal park people, what is called in this lockout, federal employees who who are designated as accepted employees. And that means that they have to go to work, but they don't get paid in order to keep their jobs. Even though they are not going to be paid for that time, they do not get paid. And most of you probably saw on the news the um, interchange, really nasty, ugly interchange between a congressperson and a, and, a, and a federal park ranger. And she said she wasn't, she wasn't ashamed because the, 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 the congressperson man told her she ought to be ashamed. She ought to be ashamed for those gates being closed. This shows you the absolute power and how power is absolutely corrupted in our Congress. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852 tonight at Our Common Ground Saturday night open mic talking about the federal lockout. Uh, and also, and because not only federal employees are locked out, the American people are locked out. Um, even Daryl Issa of California tried to get an exception in a federal court in California, and he couldn't get an exception because there were no federal employees at the courtroom, at the courthouse, to work his complaint. And the way in which this Congress has been formulated comes out of a complete violation of federal law. They are there because they have gerrymandered the country. I'm Janice Graham, and this is Our Common Ground. And we are so pleased to have you, because at Our Common Ground, we speak truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground. Alternative. Feelings? Mm, really? Here? 
We don't get to have feelings. That's the job. Gladiators don't have feelings. We rush into battle. We're soldiers. We get hurt in the fight. We suck it up and we hold it down and we don't question. Over a cliff. Or did that only apply as long as Liv didn't have any flaws? To the eye will pass and the winds will kick up and you, you are not tethered to anything. But I'm here. And I will be your anger. And I'm the only one that can see you through this. We'll fight to the end. So snap out of it. Serving a prison sentence for armed robbery. 
when the correctional officer Brent Miller was stabbed to death in a riot at Angola in April of 1972. Mr. Wallace and two other men were indicted in the killing. Two of the three men, Albert Woodfox and Mr. Wallace, were convicted in 1974, and they were placed in solitary confinement, joining another prisoner there, Robert King, who had been convicted of a different crime and for decades to follow. They were locked up as much as 23 hours a day. George Kendall, who I know very well, who was a lawyer for Mr. Wallace, George Kendall and I served in the Fortune Society in the 1960s and early 70s, confirmed the deaths of Herman Wallace. And he said in an interview that his client's original conviction was a travesty based on shoddy evidence and that the man, Mr. Wallace, had been kept in solitary confinement because they had been members of the Black Panthers. The Black Nationalist Group officials worried that they would organize the prison. And even from solitary, Herman Wallace worked to improve prison conditions and to press his own appeals. He gained a lot of attention for a project that he embarked on with Jackie Sumel, an artist who had struck up a correspondence with him and asked him to describe his dream house. She then rendered his imagining into a scale model of the house, which became an art installation seen in galleries in a dozen countries. And what Herman Wallace said about that project is that it helped him to maintain what little sanity he had left. He said it helped him to maintain my humanity and dignity. Our number is 347-838-9852, and you are listening to Our Common Ground, open mic Saturday night. And yes, it is. We're talking about tonight, if I can find my folder. Oh, my Lord, I can't find my folder. I found I found the folder that I was looking for earlier tonight and couldn't find that. Um, I just don't get where these folders get to in on these browsers. But I found my folder, Alpha. I found my folder. We thank you so very much uh, for joining us tonight. There are many ways in which we can look at domestic violence. One of the ways is that uh, the way in which we often look at it has to do with intimate partner relationships where both physical and emotional and verbal violence take place. Then there is another form of violence, and that is the form of violence where liberty is either contained or controlled or altogether removed from a person's humanity. Um, 
you know, when I went to law school, I had to learn a lot of quotes. And when I was in high school, because I was a high school debater, I had learned a lot of quotes. And one of the, the quotes that I learned in 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 in, in law school uh, always stayed with me. And it was from Thomas Paine. And he said that, and here's a quote, He that would make his own liberty secure must guard even his enemy from oppression. For if he violates this duty, he establishes a president that will reach to himself. Let me repeat that. Oh, I sound like Reverend Reverend Johnson now. I'm repeating. I'm I'm getting that pentameter from the pulpit. He that would make his own liberty secure must guard even his enemy from oppression, for if he violates this duty, he establishes a president that will reach to himself. All right, now, that's in the amen box. I say that a lot. But the reason I bring it to your attention tonight is this. It is because we are way too silent, even about domestic violence. And I think that because we are silent by domestic violence, it sets us up in a way to accept other kinds of violence, to be blind to win, to be immune, to be dulled and 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 become almost insensitive to violence now. You're probably asking, what the hell is she talking about tonight? Well, I'm going to tell you what the hell I'm talking about. Let me take you on a tour of what happened in America this week. Let's start with, let's start, let's just start with, um, let's just even start with what happened yesterday. A brother walked onto the National Mall and lit himself on fire. Do you think for a minute that that came out of the blue, that that didn't come out of some form of some form, some place that this man would be? Even in, I mean, you know, don't don't get it twisted. People who are crazy are not altogether crazy. Even they have their lucid moments. It's almost like dementia or Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's and dementia patients, schizophrenics, they all have, though some most of the time their thinking is twisted, distorted and way too influenced by the wind, they're not altogether 100% crazy. Because otherwise, they would not have the ability to assimilate thought, even though it gets all twisted. I ever tell you I had a friend 
who was uh, schizophrenic. And she was brilliant, a physicist who graduated from Radcliffe College. They didn't let women go to Harvard at that at the time that she graduated. Graduated from Radcliffe College as summa cum laude and went into MIT, got a master's degree and, and, and two doctorates in different forms of physics. She um, was a little bit odd. Her father was a, a very famous scientist. And so, um, but she was good at what she do, did, and she was a researcher, and she was teaching at, at MIT. And she went to France for the summer and got into some, as she would say in her schizophrenia, some bad mushrooms. And it was like there was a fissure, uh, both an emotional and intellectual fissure that went on in her life. But she would see things happening around her through some kind of like, you know, those um, those things with the glasses, with the colored glasses. I can't think of the name of that thing right now, but... That's how she saw things happening around her, her life and and the world. And one day she was explaining to me about the bad mushrooms. And in her fissure, she explained that they that and while she was in France, they went out to have a fish dinner, and the fish had eaten poison, which made the fish grow poison mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, and when she ate it, that's what happened to her. But what she explained to me was that part of the reason that she was always so confused was because things happened. And she was explaining to me that the FBI and the CIA had come to her house and they demanded her passport, and they demanded her identification. And the, in the course of this discussion, because she's schizophrenic, she flipped over to, and I was in the back seat. And, of course, this was a fascinating conversation as far as I was concerned. I had never had a conversation with a schizophrenic. So I asked her, how did she get in the back seat? And she explained that some men had come and kidnapped her to bring her to the hospital because she didn't have her her credentials. And what were her credentials? Her credentials were things that they required in order not to kidnap her. But what she was really explaining, as her sister explained to me, that on her way, when she had this schizophrenic break, when the police had to bring her to the hospital, they were looking for her driver's license because she was in the car. She actually stopped her car in the middle of the Massachusetts Turnpike, 
got out, sat down on the pavement, and started writing. But in all of that, she did see some kind of, you know, clarity. There were things. She just had put them all together wrong. So that's what I'm saying about how we see violence. Now, let me go to um, what happened on October 3rd in Washington, D.C. A woman by the name of Miriam Carey led police on a rampage in a car chase from the White House to the Capitol before being shot by police on Thursday. She was 34 years old, no history, no medical treatment history of mental health. She was a dental assistant and lived in Stanford, Connecticut. The whole nation watched as this woman was chased by more than a dozen police officers, FBI, and Secret Service agents. She was unarmed with a one-year-old in the backseat of the car, and they shot her dead. Now, the whole nation watched. But let me ask you about the nation of teenagers and children who know about this story or know about the man who lit himself on fire or have been witness to a beloved father beating the holy crap out of a beloved mother, or been a victim of a trusted boyfriend who just took you to the 11th grade prom, or the sounds of a child being beaten next door, by a drunken father. The sounds witnessed by the child's friend. You could almost diagnose all of America as mentally ill. But what we do know and what we should know is that there is an intersection between what happened to Herman Wallace what happened to Miriam Carey, and what happened on last weekend. Here's another story. I mean, we cannot, we will, we we cannot continue to think that there is no relationship between these things. In New York City, Bikers allegedly surrounded an SUV. This was last Friday. And they were threatening or... I have had that happen to me. I mean, I think it's fun. It's almost like having an That's When I'm driving to New York or, or to, to Washington or up to Maine and I run into bikers and it's a whole bunch of them, I mean, if you've never had that experience, you don't know what I'm talking about. But they surrounded the SUV. It got ugly. One of the bikers um, got out 
and beat the, the, the and 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 because the SUV driver got frightened and panicked, he ran over one of the bikers. And when that happened, the bikers then surrounded the SUV and beat the driver who had a child in the car, two-year-old, a child in the car, and he is now paralyzed. We may think that these are news reports, but this is exactly, exactly what violence looks like. It is the reason that our sons our perpetrators, our brothers, and our uncles. If you don't connect the dots, you are lost in this issue. This is why our daughters, our mothers, our aunts, and our sisters are mostly the victims. Because girls, women, internalize emotional fear and fright differently than men. But because we are silent, and you know you're sitting out there and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't say much. My uncle's beating beating on my aunt, but I don't say much because it's none of my business. It is your business because you, one, are a witness and you are internalizing it. So you can't see how Miriam Carey, and the nation was victimized by the Washington, D.C. police, the FBI, and the Secret Service on uh, Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, whenever day it was. If you don't understand the dots, call me in and ask me about them. I, I, I am willing to talk to you about it, but I am saying to you tonight that if you do not understand how an injured race of people cannot bear another layer of violence which drips into, forms another layer of oppression because we end up being black. We can't do anything about our circumstances. We can't say anything about our circumstances, and we cannot change our circumstances, and that is what violence does and how it ups the ante on oppression. You're listening to Our Common Ground. 347-838-9852. And we will be right back. This needs to be dealt with right now. At this very moment, you are standing in the eye of the hurricane, and you're going to sit here and pretend. You think that White House is going to protect you? You're not the fixer here. You're the problem. You're a client. You're my client. tuned into Our Common Ground, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. You have 15 unheard messages. First unheard message. Hey, call to see where you are, who you're with, and what you're up to. I haven't heard from you since lunch, and it's almost four now. Call me back. Third unheard message. 
I know you're hanging out with your friends. You aren't supposed to hang out with them if I'm not there with you. Are you trying to hide something from me? If you really cared about me, you'd let me know where you are. You need to call me back right now. Eight's unheard message. You need to call me right now. You can't just go off and hang out with your friends and not tell me. And you can't ignore me like this. I'm going to keep calling till you pick up. Don't you dare ignore me. Constantly checking up on you, demanding all your time, extreme jealousy, controlling who you spend time with. Know the signs of abuse. Don't remain silent. Think about it. Talk about it. Take action. Call 1-888-336-9591. Drilling down. Just damn. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. This is Alpha, hosting the best of Pushback Talk Radio. The Alpha Show, only at TruthWorks Network. Fridays, 10 p.m. Show 
with India Declare. India Declare, the I Declare show, Saturdays, 11 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio. India Declare, real, raw, and right now. This is Our Common Ground, broadcasting bold, brave, and black. You'd better know.
four or five months later, we moved in together. And then, um, then within a year, I got pregnant with my oldest daughter. That's when the couple's relationship started to unravel. When he found out I was pregnant, that's when it became abusive. Ryan became more controlling. He took away her cell phone and kept her from seeing her friends. Lindsay thought about leaving him, but now she had two children to take care of. A year later, she became pregnant with a third. Meanwhile, the arguments and abuse got worse. He blindsided me with, like, the biggest slap. And, like, I had, like, his hand marks on my face for, like, two weeks. Finally, Lindsay got up the courage to tell Ryan he had to move out. On the night of April 11, 2011, she came home from work, confident that her life was about to turn around. She had no idea that Ryan had one final act of revenge. At first, everything seemed normal. Lindsay talked to Ryan for a while, then went up to bed. Around 2, she heard her bedroom door open. I was sleeping on his side of the bed. And next thing I know, like, I'm just with this hot, I thought it was water. I thought he boiled water. But it was turned out to be grease. Ryan had boiled a large pot of grease on the stove, walked up the stairs, and poured it on the mother of his children. Lindsay managed to get to a neighbor for help. She was taken to the hospital, where she had fourth-degree burns on her face, neck, and chest. She spent months in the hospital recovering. Today, Lindsay has undergone 15 surgeries and procedures, the latest a skin graft doctors placed under her chin. Physically and emotionally, her recovery has been excruciating. She'll be reminded of Ryan's abuse every time she looks in the mirror for the rest of her life. I had a lot of anger. I used to wake up just screaming that I hated Ryan. Like, I, why? Why did he do this? Why would someone be so evil? Ryan was found guilty of attempted first-degree murder and given the maximum sentence of 40 years in jail. Kathy Walsh is executive director of the Tennessee Coalition to End Domestic Violence, and she says Lindsay's story, while extreme, follows a common pattern. The more uh, dependent you are on the perpetrator, the less likely you are to leave them. And so when victims do start um, making plans to leave, um, then that perpetrator feels very threatened, and that's where we see um, sometimes that violence escalates to homicide. Leaving can be especially difficult for moms who worry about custody and about how they'll support their kids. Kathy says the first step is to tell someone you trust what's going on. Reaching out for help, talking with someone um, about your situation, I think it's the most important thing that a mom can do. If you feel trapped in a domestic violence situation, you can call the national hotline at 1-800-787-3224 and find out exactly what your options are. It's a call Lindsay now says she wishes she'd made a long time ago. She was scared back then of losing everything she'd worked so hard to have. Now she says she knows better. That can all be replaced. Your life cannot. For Cafe Mom, I'm... Your silence will not protect you or your loved ones. See something, say something. Silence is a killer. For Our Common Ground, this is Janice Graham.
Our common ground. Alternative. Activist. Empowerment. Talk radio. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. We don't have a lot of time. This needs to be dealt with right now. At this very moment, you are standing in the eye of the hurricane, and you're going to sit here and pretend. You think that White House is going to protect you? You're not the fixer here. You're the problem. You're a client. You're my client. I like it or not. So I'm not asking you for the truth. I know the truth. I know enough. In any minute, any second now, so will the rest of planet Earth. So what I'm asking you is, what is your end game? You know who we are. You know what this is. And don't pretend you don't. We do what needs to be done, and we don't question why. We put the personal to the left. doesn't matter who gets hurt. doesn't matter what gets broke. It's not the thing that needs fixing. It does not matter. You want to cry about your feelings? Mm, really? Here? We don't get to have feelings. That's the job. Gladiators don't have feelings. We rush into battle. We're soldiers. We get hurt in the fight. We suck it up, and we hold it down, and we don't question. Over a cliff. Or did that only apply as long as Liv didn't have any flaws? To the eye will pass and the winds will kick up and you, you are not tethered to anything. But I'm here. And I will be your anger. And I'm the only one that can see you through this. It will fight to the end. So snap out of it. Conditions. 
you need to ask yourself what are the factors that especially young people are responding to today. And that reminds me, I'm struck by Langston Hughes's uh, poem, What Happens to a Dream Deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust over and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or maybe it explodes. Your silence will not protect you. Your silence is a killer. And I'm I'm reminded of what happened to that young woman in that car in Washington, D.C., where there were many choices that trained technicians of law enforcement could have employed, yet they chose to execute her. Yes, my friends, execute is the word. Execute is the word. We're at the top of the hour. And this is Our Common Ground, and we'll be right back. The American people wanted it, 91%. There hasn't been that much, there hasn't been that large of a consensus by the American people since World War II, since after Pearl Harbor. Everybody was good to go. But here we seem to have come across a, I would call it, Obstruction fever. Now this president knows that the Republicans are going to line up against him. But these people also know that this president may do it anyway. So if he does it anyway, they will be able to 
campaign for the 2014 and say that Obama took us to war when the American people said no. He doesn't follow the will of the American people. So I don't envy the bind he's in. I don't envy the he's put his let me put it like this. How do they what is the old saying or the new saying? He got out in front of his skis with this red line, but he's right. He didn't draw the red line. 186 nations drew the red line. And the red line was simply, you cannot use chemical weapons. Now, now let's get this straight. You cannot use chemical weapons. So where were we with... The Alpha Show on TruthWorks Network, Fridays, 10 p.m. Drilling Down, Dealing Direct, Hard-Hitting, Urban Progressive Political Talk Radio. It's the Alpha Show. 10 p.m. Fridays. The president, he's got his war. Folks don't know just what it's for. Nobody gives us a rhyme or reason. Half a one doubt. They call it treason. With chicken feathers all the way out wonder. God damn it. Trying to make it real compared to what sucked it to me. Truth words. Truth words. A politician, not a prophet. And that is true. I've made that argument myself, but it is only true to an extent. Because he did not draw on political sentiment when he got elected. He drew on something deeper. He drew on a spiritual reality, and when he did, then he took on a certain spiritual responsibility. When you hear people like Mitch McConnell saying that if they do this, this will poison the well forever. Well, I'll take your threat and I'll raise you to shove it in your behind. Serious talk for serious signs. Truth Warriors at TruthWorks Network. Truth Warriors at TruthWorks Network. Spirit Matters Talk Radio. Soul of Fire with Dr. Matthew B. Johnson. The Alpha Show with Alpha, your host. Straight out of Chicago. Just a damn talk radio. Advanced urban progressive talk radio at TruthWorks Network. Serious talk radio if you dare. Truth Warriors at TruthWorks Network. We rush into battle. We're soldiers. We get hurt in the fight. We suck it up and we hold it down and we don't question. Over a cliff, or did that only apply as long as Liv didn't have any flaws? You're listening to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves, broadcasting bold, brave, black. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Look at her, she's the best man ever. She's the best man ever. 
And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. You're listening to Our Common Ground. This is Saturday night, open mic 347-838-9852. We're going to be shifting some gears here and moving into our discussion about of your government at 347-838-9852. We're going to go to our phones and take a call on um, our first um, segment on violence and oppression. 954, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. I respect you. What's up? Hey, aloha to Chief CEO. First Aloha, Orande. Yes, ma'am. Um, I want to put this into the perspective of cinema reality and historical reality. You After want to put what in, in, in perspective? Okay. What you're talking about on this, I just got tuned in to you, and uh, I just caught segments of it in the last, I guess, eight to ten minutes, to say. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to try and pick up from that point. I, I get where you're going. Um, when I looked at um, the Black Codes, the Willie Lynch and all that, I remember when Debbie Allen did the uh, Amistad. It's amazing that we survived and came this far as a people and lived through all this hell of a cost in North America. You know, now... I see where this modern-day thing has gone, and it angers me, and I'm not bewild by any of this. I see how we've tried to implement our way into this reality, you know, where, uh, and I'm going to sound like this. I'm an old-school chauvinist if this is what you want to call me. I never push my baby's carriages when I see certain things. I'm seeing how this society has debased and defeminized African-American men along with other men, but primarily African-American men in this country. Well, I could see five or six women and a little five- or seven-year-old. This is one particular instance. This is in the general populace of the reality, but it's there. You know, and I and I even addressed that. I told these sisters, I said, wait a minute. Six of you sisters, and you got the five, the little boy pushing the carriage? I said, no, 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 no. Is that what we're about? That's what you think you've arrived and come to? No. I've always carried my children. And if I had to push the stroll, I was by myself. So I'm saying that to well, say... What is your other point, Aronde? The I mean, point I'm, is, I'm, when you and sisters come out here and talk about violence, domestic violence, you know, the whole community suffers. Wait, and wait, 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 point. wait, one, hold the fuck up for a minute. I just spent an hour talking about five I didn't or get six all of that. different forms of violence. I didn't get then the whole hour of the thing. Don't come up on me talking about one form of domestic violence for which you got to either say you support it or you don't support it. You embrace it or you don't embrace it. 
Because if you if you embrace violence against women, you also embrace the kind of violence against all humanity. Let me let me share this with you. I don't embrace violence between nonsense and bullshit. I went to a war and fought and killed people. All right. So let me share that with you in reality. And that is related. And I that didn't is like related it. to domestic and violence. And I took that out. choice. I went. I went. So when I come that back is here and related deal with to domestic violence, how? It is related to domestic violence. This I'm is asking sure you country. how. How? Because there's no justice, and when you keep the basin of people, that even if you got money, you got all these white folks, rich white folks in this country committing all these crimes, murdering everybody, their own people, but yet the jails are full of black folks. So there's plenty of domestic violence going around here. I don't want to get angry with you about this, but this is a reality conversation, right? So don't 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 sit here and talk street to me because you don't have that kind of street in you, sister, and I'm not putting you down. So don't give me this white woman bullshit about domestic violence. That don't work you for you. Never, it won't you work will for you, never. And it don't you will work never. You will never convince me that domestic violence is a white woman's issue. Domestic yes, violence is a black man's issue. Domestic violence is a black man's issue. Domestic violence is a black woman's issue. Domestic violence is a black community issue. Domestic violence is a black children's issue. Domestic violence is a black future issue. I'm very much aware of that. And it does not very matter. Much aware of that. It does not matter. You, it does not matter. It does not matter because you fought a war that you can dismiss the injury on our people as a result of the way in which that kind of violence occurs in our community. Sister, that if we fought a war or not, before we even were allowed to fight in any wars in this country, after being humiliated, which I was trying to get to in the first place, when Debbie Allen did Amistad, this was deeper than Roots and uh, some of these other um, historical um, realities our about Ray, this Our friend Dr. Raymond Wimbush was a consultant on the development of the themes and the facts in that movie. But let me ask you a question. Can you connect the dots between what you believe is a highlight of the movie and the issue of violence and race and black oppression? All right. With just black oppression, I'll walk it down, walk it back with you. On just black oppression alone, man, if we had survived all of that hatred and self-hatred that which has been imposed and thrusted upon us, and I'm seeing a parallel in history here in Hawaii that I'm reading called A uh, Broken Trust. It parallels because that same systematic reality of white hegemony has used and dislinked those groups of people. What does white hegemony you know, You know what, Aranda, well, you, you have gotten all the – it's almost like you've gotten all the circuits uh, misconnected. We are talking about violent in our community. Nobody and I'm, I'm getting into that, man. I get, well, if it, 
it started here with us coming to North America before any dynasty wars and anywhere else just linking them. Since we were brought here... I'm the talking about the children, the, the witnesses, the elderly people, the people in our community who are suffering now as a result of the various forms of violence that visits, resides, and digs deep holes in our community today. I don't like it, and I've been with groups that dealt with that, and we had to deal with the NYPD against police in our own community and kicking out certain undesirable niggas that we did not need to be there. So when we did address the issue, and I'm talking from experience, I'm talking from my reality in New York City, all right? So okay, let's talk about let's talk, if you want to talk about New York City, you tell me about the kind of violence that that visited New York City on last Wednesday, on on last Friday. We talked about that the about the bikers and the SUV driver incident because off-duty New York police that. officers were riding with the bikers saw most of the confrontation that ended with five injuries, but didn't step in. It's like brothers and sisters who see violence in their in their neighborhoods, violence against children, violence against women, and say nothing. Well, let me ask you this. I'm going to address that. When Eleanor North Bumpers got murdered, in a project by the NYPD. And now when you ask black folks to be conscious and aware of stepping up against anything, violence, that takes action. Action what means you have to bumpers, go against What reality. year did the bumpers murder take place? What was that, in, in uh, the 1980s, I believe? Well, that let me ask you about the, the murder of a young woman in Washington, D.C., by the D.C. police and the, and the FBI and the Secret Service. What about that murder? What about the witnesses on national TV who, who what do you saw want? it? Actually, what do you, if I just told you about Eleanor Bumpers, who was almost damn near isolated, what do you expect me to say about what happened in Washington, D.C.? Well, what, I am, what, what what I I am saying that there is a connection between I know there's a connection. How, how, how we engage in our understanding of violence between that incident, the bikers incident, the bumpers incident, the Sean Bell incident, uh, the Trayvon Martin incident, uh, every kind of violence. If you accept that you can be silent and you have some off-guard, distorted kind of introspection about violence against women, then what you do is you nullify all your other perspectives on violence. No. I'm saying this out of respect for you and our family. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot raise this consciousness and awareness because what this does... You cannot raise what consciousness and what awareness? What are you talking about, If you're going to talk about violence and all of this sort of stuff, that means action needs to be taken. 
Absolutely. And, means to me and taking, the thing is that the mind of brothers like you have to understand that there is an intersection between police violence against against our people and 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 violence in our homes. It comes from the same place. I don't know what reality it comes you're from living in when control you say this. and the lack of Janice, respect for, for an individuals. And exposes Humanity. you on reality. I don't know what you're trying to say here. If you're going to start well, I don't know what you're trying to say, and I think we need to I'm end the conversation. I'm going to say it if you allow me to. If you allow me. I'm not going to sit here and let you say that you oppose violence in every way, but it's bullshit what I when said. it comes That's to domestic violence. No. If you want to raise the consciousness of any people against violence, in order to stop that violence, you're going to have to be violent to stop the violence. Oh, Jesus. Ain't nobody getting sit up here and get slapped upside the head anymore, man. And I know you're much wiser than that sister. Ah, uh, well, you know. That's delusional, uh, man. I, I and did, this ain't directing I, it towards the domestic violence. I'm talking about if you want to raise that awareness and this consciousness in this country, if that's so, the case, so, so what are you, how are you so going to stop saying? it? What are you saying? What is the what bottom line is, of what you're saying? If you're going to raise this consciousness against stopping this, ain't nobody going to, ain't no peaceful demonstrations happening anymore. I, you haven't heard me say a damn thing about any any demonstrations. We have got I'm to change. Saying, we have got to change the infrastructure in which we address these issues. And it starts with the people in our neighborhoods. It starts with the people in our communities. It starts with men standing against violence of any kind. I open up with that, and let's not be realistic. You cannot have violence of any kind. That's some fairy tale bullshit. If, well, when the brothers know, stood up and stood we'll up measure who lives in, in La La Land. I got to go. I got to go. All right, sister. I'm sorry you ended on this note. I still respect and love you. Thank you. Yeah, I respect and love you and thank you. But, I, you, you know, we can't, we, 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 you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. I read an article this week uh, which talked about uh, violence being the only effective weapon uh, for uh, the people, for people who are oppressed, and what it was saying is, we have to understand that violence is the expression of physical or verbal force against yourself, suicide as being a form of violence, or other compelling actions against one's will, on pain of being hurt. And one of the things that this author raises in the presentation is is some of what Arande was saying, and that is that there is a hierarchy of caste uh, is one way that we have to look at violence, oppression in terms of causes, oppression of, our, uh, of minorities, cultural imperialism, injustices, and structural inequalities. And to look at oppressed people, we have to have a political that oppressed people essentially are framed in politically as politically unconscious 
where the self-respect is encroached, uh, that in many ways, in especially in third world countries, uh, there's a, a social backwardness, third world citizens, women, um, lesbian, gays, bisexual and transgendered people, and religious minorities like atheists. I, I call atheists uh, a religion. So, you know, we have to look at why people are oppressed because they're illiterate, they don't have decision-making power, uh, they're in a minority group and do not have strong voice and they are dominated, no representation in bureaucracy and high-level politics, and they are economically disadvantaged. So what would be an effective weapon, anything that helps to meet the target of eliminating those? And posing the question, is violence the solution? And I think that Aranda many times um, suggests that it is, but there is uh, there are some examples of violence being used as a solution against the violence. An example would be the Sri Lankan War, the Indian Independence Movement, and essentially human nature. So other solutions which we can't dismiss because they have been successful in some ways, but we have to put it in the context of uh, the time, peaceful rallies and demonstrations like the March on Washington, the 19 Days People Movement. We also can say that one of the solutions is to do uh, street drama and comedies. Uh, that was, that's what Occupy was all about. Artists use it. Scholars use or, or think that what they do through books and media and talks, that those are solutions. And then there are, excuse me, some creative protests. And I really didn't want to continue this discussion, and I know a lot of you out there have had a lot of discussions about uh, um, the uh, shutdown or the lockout. So, I mean, we have ha we have a uh, in in. On, in this in this planet, just many many ways in which um, violence has been uh, solutions have been offered and expressed and acted upon in activism. But the question really becomes: when oppression reaches its limit, where is that? When is that? And what can people? What can people um, um, expect? Now, um, and Arande was, uh, and he may not know it, he was pointing to some of the ways in which violence is effective against vi fighting violence. May, um, may I say Tung in China. Uh, Christians fought the Crusades. Pandavas fought against Kuravas. Um, and and laws like stand your ground, laws that justify violence for self-defense. There was also the 2000 uh, movement of 2000 BS in Nepal. So, you know, but I'm suggesting that in the in in <clears throat> in this time, 
that violence counter optimum oppression. Um, that, you know, to counter ethnic cleansing, genocidal violence, linguistic and cultural dominance, uh, to fulfill non-negotiable me- um, demands. This is when violence is used for a drastic change and as a last alternative. But I don't think we live in a time uh, where we have put together the the infrastructure for that. So oppression is the greatest violence, and that is what I'm saying, Aranda. And to fight against it is always justifiable. But violence against oppression is justifiable. But violence against violence has not worked. Violence should be the last alternative to achieve something and should be only at extreme conditions. So um, I just I don't like to have unpleasant conversation, but you can't get away. You, you, you can't expect that you can get away with talking about one form of violence um, and that it is an oppression to, it is not an oppression to a group of people, and that is domestic violence. It's bullshit. It's pure bullshit when we try to get when and, and and it's happening in the black community. It does not mean that I do not believe that there are some forces, some cultural media forces that are attempting to distort not only black men but black women. But you know, you've got to put your mind in a place to be able to see it and hear it. If your mind is not in the right place, you won't see it or hear it. It's just like some Negroes will not understand oppression, discrimination um, in their own lives because their minds are not in the place to see it or hear it. And some people just live in la-la land. So our number is 347-838-9852. This is our common ground, and, of course, we always appreciate rigorous conversation, and I'm always going to be clear. We speak truth here. We're not, we're not going to capitulate and compromise on points that are neither clear nor helpful. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight. In this second uh, segment, we're going to be talking about the federal government lockout and seizure. This is Elizabeth Warren, my senator, who had something to say about what we have seen over the last week. Madam President, I come to the floor today in a state of disbelief. With millions of people out of work, with an economic recovery still far too fragile, with students and families being crushed by student loan debt, with millions of seniors denied their chance at one hot meal a day with Meals on Wheels, and millions of little children pushed out of Head Start because of a sequester, with the country hours away from a government shutdown and days away from a potential default on the nation's debt, The Republicans have decided that the single most important issue facing our nation 
is to change the law so that employers can deny women access to birth control coverage. In fact, letting employers decide whether women can get birth control covered on their insurance plans is so important that the Republicans are willing to shutter the government and potentially tank the economy over whether women can get access to birth control in the year 2013, not the year 1913, the year 2013. I have a daughter and I have granddaughters, and I will never vote to let a group of backward-looking ideologues cut women's access to birth control. We have lived in that world, and we are not going back, not ever. This assault on birth control is just one more piece of an ongoing Republican assault on the orderly functioning of our government and the orderly functioning of our economy. In effect, the Republicans are trying to take the government and the economy hostage, threatening serious damage to both unless the President agrees to gut the Affordable Care Act. I see things like this and I wonder what alternate reality some of my colleagues are living in. So let me be very clear about what is happening in the real world. The ACA is the law of the land. Millions of people are counting on it. People who need health care coverage, people who need insurance policies that don't disappear just when they are at their sickest. Women will get insurance coverage for birth control. The law is here to stay, and it will stay. Earlier today, the, the Senate emphasized that reality by flatly rejecting the Republicans' newest ransom note, just as we did last week. Now, we are just hours from the government running out of money. We haven't fixed the sequester because of all the obstruction. We haven't finished a budget because of all the obstruction. We haven't even passed a single appropriations bill because of all the obstruction. The least we can do, the bare minimum that we can do, would be to pass a continuing resolution to keep the doors open and the lights on. We can ensure that over a million federal workers aren't simply sent home for no reason. We can avoid a government shutdown. But the Republicans have refused to do even that. They have continued to threaten to shutter the government unless the president agrees to gut the Affordable Care Act. The Senate rejected that position twice, yet the Republican response has been to continue to threaten to shut the government down. These threats may continue, but they are not working and they will never work because this is democracy. And in a democracy, hostage tactics are the last resort for those who can't win their fights through elections, can't win their fights in Congress, can't win their fights for the presidency, and can't win their fights in the courts. For this right-wing minority, hostage-taking is all they have left, a last gasp of those who cannot cope with the realities of our democracy. The time has come for those legislators who cannot cope with the reality of our democracy to get out of the way 
so that those of us in both parties who understand that the American people sent us here to work for them can get back to work solving real problems faced by the American people. We have real work to do, and that's what we should be doing. Thank you, Madam President. I suggest the absence of a quorum. Clerk will call the roll. Mr. Alexander. The absence of quorum after that fantastic presentation. Now here where we are. There are a couple of things that I have a problem with in the way in which we we're talking about this lockout. First of all, it is not a shutdown. Tomorrow you will wake up to find that more than 40,000 Pentagon employees will be called back to work. Here's the federal rule. The federal rule is that when there is a furlough, that the federal government has to inform an employee 24 hours before they have to report. So tomorrow you will find, or today you found, 40,000 Pentagon employees are being called back. And this is what they are doing. This is a piecemeal, partial, only a partial shutdown of the federal government. And that was done by design. And it is unfortunate that the Democrats in the House did not catch it and that there are some Republicans who are not part of this Tea Party insanity, did not catch it, and require that all, if you're going to call for a shutdown, there should be no exceptions. So that the people, and, and my point is that the people who vote for these nutcases to go to Washington could feel the full blow of what they are doing. This is all part, in my estimation, it is all part of a plan. And the plan is that federal employees who are eligible, and we're talking about 46% of the federal workforce, is eligible to retire. 46%. And if that is true, they are hoping that most of those people will say, damn this bullshit, I'm getting the hell on out of here. And that will conclude with what we call a smaller government because the budget will not accommodate the replacement of those people. So that's what the partial shutdown is all about because those yahoos out there in Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio, Texas, they are not feeling the people who voted for these Nazi warriors in Congress, this, these people who are, if not guilty of treason, certainly of malfeasance. If they 
can't get on the train, can't go to the airport, if they can't, if they're not getting their public transportation because the dollars didn't come through from the U.S. Department of Transportation, if they are not getting their Social Security checks, are their uh, disability checks or their veterans checks because one. There's nobody to issue them, and two, there's no mail delivery to deliver them, then these people would discover what their representatives and the people that they love and sent to Washington is all about. Okay? Our number is 347-838-9852 if you'd like to talk about this shutdown. Now, the other thing that happened today is that um, it's a lot of stuff going on. Um, um, with the government shut down in its fifth day, many Republicans have conceded that they have conceded to that Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, Health Care Act, was a, uh, just a smoke and mirrors around this thing. And, and and Dennis Ross, a Republican from Florida, added his name on the list on today saying the matter now boils down to pride. Uh, pride of what is my question. But this is what is going to happen. Um, even though the president expects that the debt ceiling will be raised by Congress, I think that he is very positive, very um, positive about that, but I'm not so sure. What do you think? Uh, we want your calls at 347-838-9852. How are you feeling this lockout? Because essentially what has happened is for poor and disenfranchised people, they've been locked out of government services that are needed. They've been locked out of being able to use their government. Agree or, not, uh, or disagree? We're, it's 11.42 and we're going to go up to... 11.45, and then we're going to go into our deeper consciousness segment. And coming out of that, we will be getting out of here. 773, you're on the air. I respect you. I, I promise. I am not on the war path. I am just at my wit's end about the lack of activity. The lack. We should be in the street after a young woman was gunned down and murdered by law enforcement when they had the option to do something different. I think this is Alpha. Alpha, help me out here. Hey, Janice, this is our house. Oh, doing? house. I'm sorry. I I right. I don't know. I don't know your personal telephone number or anything. <laughs> Good to hear hey, from Mary you. Cole. I am so goddamn fed up with 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 what's going on in our community? 
You know, we don't forget about Troy Davis. We don't forget about Trayvon Martin. We don't give a shit about George Zimmerman anymore. We we we, we let things happen. And by the way, uh, for an update, the young man that set himself on fire on yesterday on the National Mall has died. Wow. He was a brother. Yeah, he's a black man. Yeah. Um. Was there ever any discovery why he even did that? This was the self-immolation, I think it's called. Well, you know, it's just like this Mir- uh, Miriam Carey uh, thing. They 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 hiding behind investigations. Okay. Okay. Um, well, it's, <clears throat> you're right. Uh, every case, I don't think you're on any kind of uh, you're intentionally being mean, but you have a um, point you're trying to get to, and um, there's too many walls people are putting up. Um, even if it's just the walls of, you know, their understanding as uh, they've gone through life. And uh, that's the trick. You know, we all get bombarded with stuff that kind of gets us off the original intention in our original direction. We get these distractions. Um, with all the people that have been killed the way this young lady was killed the other day, uh, I guess we are kind of numb to it, and we shouldn't be. Um, you, the, the way the police have been militarized, and the way mm-hmm. black folks have been targeted the, with the, the war, not just the war uh, uh, on terrorism, but the war on drugs mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. suspicion and all this. And, this, and you uh, know the SUV folks. driver was brother, too. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I thought he was Asian. No. In New York? Okay. I thought he was Asian. Okay. That's, that's no, he's Dominican, actually, Afro-Dominican. Oh. Okay, okay. Well, with, with with all this uh, fear and paranoia that white folks have been selling um, forever, you know, be be scared, be very uh, be very afraid. Um, they're even doing that with all the um, Affordable uh, uh, Care Act. Everything that they put out is about fear. It's failing. You're gonna lose this. You're gonna lose this, that, and the other. It's all fear. So yeah, everybody's everybody's afraid, and the answer to everybody's fear is some kind of violence, even the uh-huh. violence that the government is doing to us. I mean, because this is a violent act, what they're doing by shutting down the government and tossing people out of their jobs, making these, um, the, this money unavailable and un- uncertain. I know I hate that word, <laughs> the uncertainty. But they're put, putting people's lives and livelihoods in jeopardy. This is a form of violence. And yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're just so accustomed to... Uh, like we don't have any options, how we we can't act against it, and that's the real crime. Um, because yeah, we should be out in the streets, and and some folks should be well not strung up, but threatened to be strung up. Um, they, they showed that one uh, Republican politician yelling at the woman at the war memorial when he was the one that voted to put her out there in that position, and he's berating her as though she did something wrong. I mean, but that, that's what they do. That's the psychology that's what they do. these psychotic yeah. people uh, employ. So, yeah, it's 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 so much violence. It's it's really it's about power. I mean, that's you the, know, the it's, it's, let me, yeah, it's about power, and that's the point I was trying to make in the first segment on this issue of violence and oppression. It is about power and control. Men mm-hmm. beat on women because it's about power and control. And yep. it's about rage and hurt and pain. Yep. Misplaced rage, misplaced exactly. emotion. 
Exactly. Um, even rape. Rape isn't a crime of sex. That's right. Not, and the other violent. part of it oh. is that it renders people. You know, I worry about children who are witnesses of violence in their homes. Yeah. I worry oh. about them because it it is an environment that teaches them. Black children are taught in a home where the father is beaten on the mother of silence. Yeah. yeah. They're taught to become numb to their natural instinct to defend themselves and to their natural in- instinct to resist. And yeah. that is why it is a black community issue. Yeah, I can agree. With because that. In addition to the society in which we live, beating the hell out of black folks day in and day out, children and mothers and fathers go home to having the hell beat out of them some more. And I believe that we have come on this journey from chains to Chains to change, and we're at a standstill because we keep getting the hell beat out of us on a daily basis. After a while, our brains come to believe we have no power. We are the children of Shaka Zulu to defend ourselves is in our DNA in a mighty way. Mm-hmm. But we let people put all of these extra injuries on us, whether it be men beating on women or women beating on men or adults beating on children. We have got to stop it somewhere, and we can only start at the place where we are. You get me, House? I get you 100%. Uh, 100%. As a matter of fact, I, I think it, it's pervasive through white supremacy. I mean, 10% of the population controls this earth, and their biggest fear is that folks would get together and take it back. So everything is fixed for us to fight each other versus them. Absolutely. Economically, absolutely. Uh, literally, and that's the game. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it keeps working over and over. So I get you totally. Yep. Okay. I got to go. We got to go into our segment. I'm, I'm, I got to get control uh, of this show, but I really appreciate your call. I appreciate the calls of uh, Rondé, all of you that are in the chat room. Uh, thank you so very much for being with us tonight. Tell somebody. You know, tell somebody, this is the weekly national town meeting where we we get down, as you can tell, for your new new listeners, it it ain't always this way, but sometimes it gets that way, Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm Janice Graham, and we're going to go into a segment that we have, uh, we think is very important. And then we'll say good night. 
pausing at our common ground for a moment of deeper consciousness at our common ground, freeing our black mind and opening our black eyes. Snobbery. Class snobbery is similar to white privilege, but it is not the same thing. Tonight we're Judeo spending time with Christian Dr. dogmatism. Naeem Akbar, like, sorry. Acts like very often produces many of the similar outcomes, but the privilege that is ascribed to people by the dogma of the Judeo-Christian uh, philosophies is not the same as white privilege. The presumption of Anglo hegemony, that is that the world is all like the Anglo perspective of it, is similar to and has very similar consequences of white privilege, but it is not the same as white privilege. White privilege is a set of options, opportunities, and opinions a set of options, opportunities, and opinions that are gained at the expense of non-white people. It is not just an issue of one-upmanship in any situation where there is a hierarchy. It is a very specific set of options that one is able to exercise, opportunities that one is able to have, and opinions that one is able to possess and impose that are systematically gained and maintained at the expense of people who are not white. Not because they're not female, not because they're not heterosexual, not because they're not Jewish, not because they're not Catholic, not because they're not a lot of other things, simply because they are not white. And these options, opportunities, and opinions are a direct consequence of the biological accident of color. And this biological accident of color is presumed to endow people with the, 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 the access and the opportunities, the options, and the opinions that are special in this phenomena of white privilege. So what does it permit people to do? What does this white privilege Thing permit white people to do? First of all, and probably most significantly, it permits white people to define reality as they see fit. They are able to define beginnings and endings as the point at which they entered or when they leave. So America, despite its thousands of years of preceding history, is actually begun at the moment they show up about 1,500 years ago, and America is suddenly discovered. The Aztec, the Incas, and the multiple cultural traditions that had populated this land for thousands of years before Europeans ever found their way out of the mythology that the world was flat and limited to a few square, eight square miles 
somewhere on the other side of the Atlantic, that somehow all of that was dismissed upon their appearance. And they then were able to decide that this place begins now, because I am here. And as a consequence, that began to be what is called the discovery of America. Now, that serves a very important purpose for the people who claim that privilege. They then can freely engage in ignoring any reality which preceded their appearance and to begin to effectively eliminate any contradiction to their imposed redefinition of the reality that they have entered. So they can then wipe out any native inhabitants because they happen to be a nuisance obstacle to the fact that they really don't exist because existence begins when white people came in. So the process then of erasing these barriers and somehow uh, clearing the land from these obstacles to this definition becomes a completely legitimate thing to do. This is not only true in terms of the definition of what America is, it is also true in terms of the definition of what world history is. What the And we want to thank you again for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. Um, next week, join us at 10 p.m. Saturday. Uh, we will be Ha we will have as our guest uh, Wendell Potter, who will be talking to us about the impact of the implementation of the Affordable Health Care Act, the Obama administration, and what it needs to do in regard to this new program and his new book. And we hope that you will be with us. Please take some moments and think through how you are going to advance awareness in domestic violence in the month of October. Don't forget to join Dr. Matthew B. Johnson on Wednesday night, 10 p.m., Solar Fire and the Alpha Show at Friday, 10 p.m., and India Declare on her 11 a.m. Saturday morning brunch here at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham. Right following this broadcast, we'll be playing uh, some of our favorite tunes. So after we close, you can stay tuned and listen in. We rush into battle. We're soldiers. We get hurt in a fight. We suck it up and we hold it down and we don't question. I like it or not. So I'm not asking you for the truth. I know the truth. So what I'm asking you is, what is your end game? You've been listening to Our Common Ground. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I'm Janice Graham. If it's Saturday at 10 p.m., I'll be listening for you. Next Saturday, join us with Wendell Potter. We'll be talking with Wendell as he returns about his new book and about the Affordable Health Care Act. Do us a favor and yourself as well. Tell your friends about this broadcast. And join us on TruthWorks Network, 
Wednesdays and Fridays with Soul of Fire and the Alpha Show. You can find Our Common Ground on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Pinterest, and Twitter at Janice OCG. Thanks again, and don't forget, I'll be listening for you. And because we owe it to our ancestors, we stand, we tell the truth, we deal with our truth based on we, the children of Shaka Zulu, we are gladiators.
There's a signifying monkey to the line one day. Hey, there's a great big elephant down the way. Going round talking, I'm sorry to say about your mama in a scandalous way. Yeah, he's talking about your mama and your grandma too. And he don't show so much respect to you. Now, you weren't yet, and I sure am glad, cause what he said about your mama made me mad. Signifying monkey, stay up in your tree. You are always lying and signifying, but you better not monkey with me. The lion said, yeah, well, I'll fix him. I'll tear that elephant limb from limb. Then he shook the jungle with a mighty roar. Took off like a shot from a forty-four. He found the elephant where the tall grass grows and said, I come to punch you in your long nose. The elephant looked at the lion in surprise and said, Boy, you better go pick on somebody your size. But the lion wouldn't listen. He made a pass. The elephant slapped him down in the grass. The lion roared and sprung from the ground. And that's when that elephant really went to town. I mean, he whipped that lion for the rest of the day. And I still don't see how the lion got away. But he dragged on off more dead than alive. And that's when that monkey started his signifying jive. Signifying monkey. down and said, oh, wait, what is this beat up mess I see? Is that you, man? <laughs> Do tell, man, he whipped your head to a fatty well. Give you a beating that was rough or nothing. You supposed to be king of the jungle. Ain't that some stuff, you big overgrown pussycat? Don't you roar. I'll hop down there and whoop you some more. The monkey got to laughing and jumping up and down, but his foot missed the limb, and he plunged to the ground. The lion was on him with all four feet, gonna grind that monkey a hamburger meat. The monkey looked up with tears in his eyes and said, Please, Mr. Lion, I apologize. I meant no harm. Please, let me go. And I'll tell you something you really need to know. Signifying monkey, stay up in your tree. You are always lying and signifying, but you better not monkey with me. The lion stepped back to hear what he'd say, and that monkey scampered up a tree and got away. What I wanted to tell you, the monkey hollered then, is if you fool with me, I'll stick the elephant on you again. The lion just shook his head and said, you jive, if you and your monkey children want to keep alive, up in them trees is where you better stay, and that's where they are to this big day. Signifying monkey. Me. 
Just like the city that stagger on the coastline in a nation that just can't stand much more. Like the forest buried beneath the highway, never had a chance to grow. Never had a chance to grow. And now it's winter Winter in America Yes, and all of the hills Have been killed Sent away Yeah, but the people know The people know it's winter America 
listening to Our Common Ground. Our Common Ground. It's a new day, it's a new life. 